Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to Kidney Talk. Today, I'm excited. I'm speaking to Jeff Wolin. I met Jeff when I was at Transplant Clinic, and he is a transplant recipient. And they have a program at Cedars-Sinai where they're bringing in uh, volunteer mentors to be able to share their experience, strength, and hope with people who have had a transplant or are waiting for a transplant. And I've always been a big fan of peer support. So I'm really excited about this program and learning more about, you know, how you got involved. So welcome to the show, Jeff. Well, thank you, Lori, and good morning. Uh, well, it's a real privilege and an honor to speak with you this morning. Likewise. Nice seeing you in clinic also. Well, I always make my appointments. <laughs> well, that's good. We all should. I know, isn't it? It, it gets a little daunting at times, though. You're like, you, you know, you put the priority list of the doctors you got to see at the top and... You know, maybe the dentist falls to the bottom sometimes. That's my that's my dilemma. But um, anyways, I wanted to just learn a little bit about... So tell me a little bit about your background and, and how you, you know, came to have kidney disease and, you know, currently you're transplanted. Okay, so um, I had kidney failure when I was in my 50s, and I found out that I had polycystic kidney disease uh, when I was in my late 20s, 29, 30 years old around that time. And, um, you know, I, I was doing quite strenuous work at the time, and that made that condition a lot worse. So I was living with a lot of hemorrhages and, um, and infections in my kidneys while I was working. And then finally, I just couldn't, couldn't work anymore because of the pain and the, and the infections I was having. So um, I left work uh, in, in my, I was 49 at the time when I had to stop working. And then just a few years later, um, I went into renal failure, and I was on dialysis for four years, and which I did quite well at, um, I must say. And I got the call for, they had an offer for me for a kidney. And, of course, I, I didn't really live with expectations of ever getting that phone call. And when it came, I was, I was kind of stunned that I, <laughs> I got that phone call. And um, off I went to Cedars and got my kidney transplant, and for the first few weeks after my transplant, the kidney didn't work. It was asleep, mm -hmm. and it uh, finally started to work, and I stopped going to dialysis, and that's, it's been seven years and a few months now that I've had my transplant, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, it's, a, like the, it's really the gift of life, and um, my whole life has totally turned around um, because of that. My, the quality of life is so much better. And then about six months ago or so, I was always willing to do something at Cedars to give back, but they, they didn't really have a program for the kidney patients. They had ambassador for liver and ambassadors for the heart transplant program, but they didn't have one for kidney. And finally, they had one for kidney, and they had called me and asked me if I wanted to do it, and I just jumped at the chance. So when you got the call to be an ambassador, what did they tell you you had to do? Well, it's a it's kind of a lengthy procedure, and I didn't expect it to be the way it was, but um, they called me from the transplant center, and then I had to contact the volunteer office, and I spoke with several people at the volunteer office, 
filled out an application just as if I was being hired as an employee for Cedar sinai Medical Center, went to, had, had to get, had to give some blood to make sure I didn't have, uh, you know, any diseases, and um, went to a seminar that they put on. It's like a training seminar. And when all that was complete and I was accepted into the program, uh, I went over to the transplant clinic on a Tuesday and started to volunteer. And uh, it took a, a, about a month or so to go through that procedure uh, before I was allowed to, do, to, to volunteer. And I'll tell you, it's been quite rewarding. It's been an amazing experience. So, you know, one of the things is that maybe people may may have never been to a transplant clinic because they haven't gotten the call yet. Um, it's a, it's an interesting process because you go in the morning and you wait and you get your, you know, you get your labs drawn first thing and then you kind of wait to get called to get your weight and your blood pressure and then you might wait and then and then you'll see um, a doctor and then you might wait and then see the nurse or vice versa. So there's a lot of waiting when you're at clinic. And I think it's such a great use of time because you're able to interact with people who are waiting for a transplant or who may have gotten one. So tell us a little bit about interacting with the patients that you come in contact with. Right. So, so in the, in the morning, uh, there's one, there's a class for um, patients that are receiving donor kidneys. And there's an ambassador that is in that room and she had a donor kidney and she and they give a seminar for those patients. And then what I do is I go from room to room and I walk in, I introduce myself as a transplant ambassador for Cedar sinai I let them know that I'm a kidney transplant recipient. And some people are really eager to ask questions. Now, most of the people I talk to have already received their kidney. Most of the ones I've been talking to are brand new. I see, I see them sometimes if they're, if they're donor patients, then I see them before they get their transplant, and then a few weeks later, I'll see them at the clinic. Mm-hmm. They always, they have so many questions. You know, they want to know my experience, and so I share my experience with them and what it was like to have the transplant. Then I speak to them about my experience of what it was like at first, in the first few months, um, I, I explain to them what they have to do at the clinic is exactly what you said. We, I, I used to go to clinic, and these are the patients, they, they do the same thing. They come at 6 in the morning or 5.30 to get there when the door opens at 6. They wait. They give their, their labs. They have their labs drawn. Then they wait for the nurse to do an intake and check all their medications that they're taking, and they have to bring a list of their medications or all the bottles of their medications. The nurse takes that intake. You know, of course, they get weighed and they get their blood pressure taken. And then, and then here's the hard part, uh, which is a small price to pay for the gift of life, I think, because they have to wait for maybe a, another hour or so they're there, if they get there at 6, they're, they're probably there till like maybe 9.30 or 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And they do that. At first, they're going to do this twice a week. And then slowly, they, slowly it becomes once a week, then once a month, once every three months, once every six months, and then once a year. Mm-hmm. And you really have to comply and keep your, your appointments. It's very important. Most of the questions I get from them 
is what did you feel like the first few weeks or what did you feel like after a month? Do you do exercise? What's your diet like? Um, what was it like to have the stent removed? <laughs> yeah. Questions like that. And how do you take your medicine? So, so let's go through that. So what if I asked you, let's say I was going through the questions, I was a newly transplanted patient, what, you know, what should I expect the first week after transplant? Did you have a lot of pain? That would be my first question. In the hospital, I only used the pain button on that medication they give you. I only used it for three days. Okay. The thing that surprised me the most is the next morning after my transplant, they wanted me up out of bed and walking. I thought they were kidding me. <laughs> they told me to press the button, get a little pain medication. And, and get up. And then you, we're going to get you up. Well, let me share a story with you. I had both of my knees replaced, right? Uh-huh. Both of them at the same time. Oh. They got me up the same day. <laughs> I thought they were kidding I mean, I if I had, I was I was screaming bloody murder. I had a, a little bit of an epidural still kind of working, but I thought they're like, well, the construction is just fine if you can just overcome the pain in your head. It's all glued together, so you know. And and the reason they want you to get up so quickly is so that you get moving, and and most important is your bowels moving. Because, you know, that can become a really big problem when you're taking pain medicine and then you've been in surgery for several hours. It makes everything move slower. So, and, you know, your lungs and everything. So that's why they make you get up. But I think they're a little crazy at times, too. So <laughs> Right. Well, they do. They want you to walk because they're, they want, they, they're looking out for, make sure you don't get a blood clot, mm -hmm. the, the pneumonia aspect of it. So it's, so it's a good idea. But once I got up that first day, I was getting up all day long, I was walking every day all over the hospital, and that was a good thing. And uh, I think the, the reason why I did so well after the surgery was because I was working out while I was on dialysis three times a week I would work out. Mm -hmm. I was in fairly good physical condition to, to get up out of bed and, and walk and, just, and deal with the, that pain. It, pain only lasted for for a few days anyway. I didn't need any pain medication after a couple of days. And uh, and it's not good to keep taking it either because you talk about slow bowel movement, that pain medication will really mess that part up. Definitely. Well, yeah, so it's really bad. It's not a good idea. If you don't need it, don't use it. No, it's, it's, it's there for just short periods of time. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Well, and I remember, I mean... You know, I was so nervous about the stent being removed, and you can probably say that too. I think I worried more about how much it was going to actually hurt than actually the time it took to take it out. The anxiety of it is more than actually the procedure. Would you agree with that? As far as the stent goes, they're concerned about what that's going to be like when they take that stent out. Now, I'll tell you an interesting story. I tell them what it was like for me, but that was seven years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a little hard to remember exactly the experience I had seven years ago. Uh, what I remember the most is it's, it's a little annoying. But mm -hmm. the other day, I had to go and have my urologist check my prostate and look into my bladder. So I was reminded <laughs> what it felt like. And, uh, and uh, I shared that with some patients the other day that I have a vivid memory now of what it felt like, but it's not a really a big deal. 
So I was glad I had that experience again. So I was able to relive what it was actually like. And it is, it's, it's, it's not pleasant, but actually the idea of it and your mind and the anxiety, I, I feel, was worse than actual, actually the procedure. Well, sure, look at be. what we've been through up until that point. Having right. the stent removed is really not a big thing. So right. <laughs> I try to ease their mind and just sharing my own experience with it. Yep, and it is so important when you share experience about, you know, what it was like because you just put everybody's fears at ease. So, so tell us a little bit about how your diet changed. I bet you you get a question from the patients: Can I eat what I want? Can I eat all the oranges? Can I eat all the bananas? Did you do that? Uh, what do you share with the patients? Okay, so this is this is what happened to me, and this is what I share with them. After my transplant. I was so, for so many years, I was eating the way you're supposed to eat when you're on dialysis that it took me a little while to transition into, it took me about a month or so before I actually transitioned into having whole wheat, whole grains, beans, uh, all the things I couldn't have, fruits and bananas and potatoes and tomatoes, <laughs> I mean, I can go <laughs> on and on. High potassium foods, yes. It took a while, and I share with them that, because I shared with someone just the other day, they, they're not eating, mm-hmm. and they're eating like the same way. And I, I tried to explain to them that it may take you a little bit of time. Just be patient with yourself. You'll eventually start going to those foods. And she had the same experience that I'm having, that I had. So, she, you know, it it's so it's so wonderful to be able to share the experience that I that that I had with other patients because they they so relate we so relate to one another mm-hmm. and the thing of the the beauty of the of the whole thing about being able to share with them is that I'm learning too and I get I get reminded when I share with them about taking your medicine on time. I remind myself when I share with them about my diet and what to, what I've been doing with my diet, it just reminds me that I better practice what I preach, you know. So I don't, I help, I, I may, I hope I help them, but they certainly are helping me. It's a two-way street. It's really a wonderful experience. Well, you have a very calming energy. So, you know, when I, you walked in the room when I was sitting there, you just, you know, it's it's just makes you feel better. And um, I know that you understand what I've been through. And sometimes that can just that understanding can be better than an Ativan. <laughs> and, uh, and it's, um, you know, I just remember after I got transplanted, I mean, it was like, you know, don't drink. And now they're like, drink, 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 drink. And then, um, you know, my my phosphorus dropped really low a few days after the transplant. So I'm taking phosphorus supplements, and they're like, eat phosphorus. And so you, a lot of times, have to adapt very quickly for your health. And it can, it's very hard sometimes that I'm, I remember I was on the phone with one of my friends, I have to drink this phosphorus supplement that's not very tasty. And, you know, she just remind me and put me in, you know, that's a small price to pay for the gift you got, you know? And so, and you're like, it recalculates your frame of reference to, um, just go do what you have to do. And um, I think it's so important because I think if I heard that from a, a healthcare professional, it wouldn't be as meaningful as hearing it from a patient. 
Um, and I think the thing that I want to mention that it's worth mentioning because one of the biggest questions I get is, how long is my kidney going to last? Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, my answer to that is, is, is it working today? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's, that you cannot live in that fear because, because if I think about tomorrow and what's going to happen to me, it's like fantasy land. Right. It just scares me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and when I think scary thoughts, I scare myself. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to convey that, that we ha- we're, we're here one day at a time. I have this image for you. Okay, if you have one foot in yesterday and another foot in tomorrow, you're pissing on today. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of a transplant joke, but it is, it's, you know, you live in the moment. You have to live in the moment. And I'm guilty of that. What ifs, what happens? And you're not really embracing the day and the quality of life you were given today by good health. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's hard, though. We have this committee in our head that likes to you know, come up with all these scenarios. And when I had my third transplant, you know, I left the hospital with a 2.2 creatinine. And this was in 1990. And that kidney lasted 20 years. I mean, they never would have thought that that kidney would last 20 years. And it did. And so you just can't really focus on statistics because they're statistics and we're individuals. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. The mind's made for thinking, and when we think scary thoughts, we just get scared. Exactly. <laughs> this is true. Um, let's close a little bit about medication, because I am just programmed to take medication, because I've been taking it since I was two years old. Um, every night, every morning, whenever I have to take it, I'm a professional pill taker. Um, but that is not a skill of a lot of people. And I'm one of those people who can take eight, nine pills at once. I just am just, I should probably get the Guinness Book of World Records. I could take a handful. But a lot of people aren't able to do that. What do you share with patients? Because I think the key that of you being a mentor, which you're well well aware of, is you don't give advice. You You share your experience, strength, and hope. And Tell patients how important medication is, and what do you do to remember? Well, this is what I, I tell them about their transplant medi- medication, and this is what I do. And this is so important because I've been, I've slipped up a few times because I didn't follow my own advice. And that is, if I'm busy doing something and my alarm goes off to take my medication, if I just turn off my alarm and continue to I say, I'll get my medication in a minute, and I just keep working on what I'm working on, that is the recipe for disaster. When my alarm, and this is what I tell everyone, when my alarm goes off, I, sh- I get up, no matter what I'm doing, and I just go and get my medication. Because if I don't, I'm going to forget. And believe me, I've, there's been a few times in seven years where I forgot my morning dose and, and realized it like five hours later. That is a scary spot to be in, and I don't like it. And I share that with them, that it's so important when you set your alarms to the minute they go off, you have to stop. I, I tell I don't care what you're doing. You have to learn how to stop yourself and get your medication. And that's the most important thing is just being on time and being, being um, rigid in that respect to just stop and just take the medication. I, I, I can't tell you how many times a day I tell people that 
And then what it does is when I do that, I, I, I have to practice what I preach and I have to keep remembering <laughs> not to shut off because I'm, I'm still guilty from time to time. I'm just shutting my alarm off and say, I'll get it in a minute. And 15 minutes later, I'm getting up to go get it. Maybe 20 minutes later, and it's just a bad deal. It's well, not a good idea. And but, what time? I, but I never, I haven't, I don't think I shared with any patients that I can take, I can, t- I can also take a whole handful of everything all at once <laughs> with a little teeny bit of water. <laughs> when people see me do that, when my wife will look at that and say, how can you do that? I know. You know, and, but I can. I've it just takes learned skill. To do it. We'll have to have a, instead of a hot dog contest, we'll have to have a pill contest. I know. <laughs> when I first saw that 100 milligram cyclosporin tablet, <laughs> I said, that's like a battleship. How right. am I going to swallow this thing? <laughs> it looked like a submarine to me. But it's like nothing, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, it, it is. It's um, people are in awe that I just whatever whatever medication I have, it doesn't matter. It all goes in my hand and all goes in at once. If it's you know twelve pills, eight pills, it doesn't matter. I can you know I'll probably choke one day. I better be careful now. This is a learning experience. <laughs> it's it's like going to the gym. You know, I've been taking pills for my whole life. I should be able to bench press twelve pills at once, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, just to kind of wrap up too. I was in clinic once, and somebody had told me. Um, oh, they forgot their meds. They don't carry them with them. Um, they didn't reorder their prescription. Uh, they don't have access to their meds um, because of, you know, perhaps insurance or something is happening. And, you know, <laughs> I think you know, but they need to be proactive. But if they have a problem, to call the transplant center and work this out. Don't think that, you know, oh, I can miss a couple days and it'll be okay. No, it won't be okay. <laughs> That's an excellent point. And uh, there was a few patients, I've had that experience with, with a few uh, folks. One particular fellow um, told me he hadn't taken his medication in two days because he was having problems with the pharmacy. Well, right then I just stopped and went and got the nurse. Mm-hmm. And we, we figured out a way where he can get mail order because they were having trouble themselves getting to the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. So there's ways around that. But yeah, I don't understand. I, I just don't understand why that happens as often as it does. Um, I don't know whether it's the breakdown from the patient or just the trouble they have at pharmacies getting things approved. That's a big issue. And it's something that really needs to be looked into, and the patients really need to be followed up on how they're getting their medications and how often. Because I I always, this is what I've done. I always keep a backup. And the way I've done it is, you know, every month when you renew your medications, you can renew it a few days earlier. So I'll... One month I'll renew it maybe on the 25th of the month, and next month I'll renew it on the 23rd of the month. Maybe the next month I'll renew it on the, on the 21st of the month. And then in a couple of three or four months, I've got a week supply. So I'm not without my transplant medicine even when my prescription supposed to, my, my, my medicine time is supposed to be up or I'm supposed to renew it. I still have a backup. And I, I, I tell patients that that's what I've done to make sure I have it at home in case I have a problem at the pharmacy because I've had problems at the pharmacy getting approvals from some medications where 
the pharmacy was at one particular point. The pharmacy was nice enough to give me a few tablets while I was working something out. But a lot of pharmacies won't do that, so it's always a good idea to have a backup, and that's the way I do it. I just order it a little earlier, and then I have my my backup. And that's really important not to not to miss your medication. Well, it's so important too because you know, Jeff. I imagine we probably take the same meds. So if you ever come into some kind of issue, and this has happened um, before where, you know, you can call another patient that you're as a friend and say, can I borrow a couple of your cell set? My, my prescription's late. And this has happened over and over to me with people contacting me, and I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, you know, I know these people, they're friends, but you, you have to do what you have to do, and you have to ask for help. Because um, just sitting in a corner thinking the medication problem will solve itself, um, I don't usually find that happens. You have to advocate for it. And when the Northridge um, earthquake happened, uh, you know, a couple decades ago, uh, there were several of us that shared things. Um, So it's good to have that patient network of peers that can help you through that time. I mean, because we do mostly take the same medication. (laughs) And so I, I have a little extra sometimes too. So, you know, we can, we can be buddies. Exactly. How many ambassadors are in this program? So there's two of us in kidney. There's one in liver and 15 in heart transplant ambassador program. Wow. That's amazing. The heart transplant program, ambassador program started um, a while ago. So they've had trans- transplant ambassadors for a while and uh, then the liver, and then this is new for kidney transplant. And so how often do you go a week? Just once a week. Once just a on week? on Tuesdays. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. They, they, that's all they've asked me to do is just on Tuesday mornings. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, you know what? I think that more of this type of um, programs are going to sprout up across the country because they're seeing how important it is and it you know it makes people who have gone through the illness feel like they have a purpose and it's very meaningful and hopefully more um you know more patients will be able to get involved and share their experience in a structured way like this because it's it's a great opportunity to impact somebody when they're just been diagnosed or they've just had a transplant and it's uh, it's great work. So it's noble work, Jeff. And I want to thank you, Lori, for all the service you give to all us transplant patients. It's appreciated. I want you to know that. Uh, well, thank you. And I just got a call, and I probably won't see you for six months because they said okay, well, I don't I'll have to. Okay, looking for you if you come on a Tuesday. In six months, I'll be there on a Tuesday, so um, I'll look for you, Jeff. Okay, I'll look for you, too. Thank you, Lori. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.